color of leadership. A seat at the table. Join Dr. Anthony Rice and his more than 20 years of education. Let's talk. Now. Now. This is The Color of Leadership. All right, all right, all right. I'd like to welcome our audience to another episode of The Color of Leadership. I am your host, Dr. Anthony Rice, here with my co-host, Dr. Angelique Butler. For anyone new to our audience and our existing listeners, we want to say Happy New Year because we're starting off our new year with an amazing guest with you tonight. But before we start, we want to remind you, good folks, about the premise of our show. Uh, The platform has been created so that we have an opportunity to establish critical conversations around the table with extraordinary guests, uh, either superintendents, directors, site administrators, teachers, mentors in their own right. Uh, The goal of this platform is to exclusively share their own personal journeys and experience um, with our audience as they navigate the educational professional system as a person of color. Uh, We have with us tonight an extraordinary leader, a woman who's going to share with her with us her journey navigating navigating the educational system as an African-American woman. She's a mother. She's a wife. She's a daughter. Pretty sure she's a sister, too. Um, We bring to you today with us Dr. Cassandra McNair, who is now the director of equity and access of Paris Unified School District. And I'm correct when I say that. Right. All right, Dr. McNair, just thank you for being here with us. And we, we, we're, we're, great. No, we're, we're grateful for you even taking the time on this busy Sunday. I know everybody's watching football right now, and everybody's like, why do you want to do this on a Sunday? Aren't you watching football? I'm like, nah, this is important to me. I like to, this is what we love to do. We love to share our personal experience with our audience so that they have an opportunity to just understand what we do and how education for us sometimes isn't as easy as people think it is. And so I got two, um, I got two women with me today, Dr. Dr. Butler, who's my co-host, who you're going to meet. You guys share some of the same experiences as well, but we're going to go with our, our first essential question of the day is what is your personal and professional, what was your personal and professional journey into your current leadership position that you're in now? It's been interesting, actually. Um, so it's Paris Union High School District where I am at currently. And uh, so the, the coolest part about that role is that, and I'll kind of start there and then I'll, I'll work backwards, is that um, it's the first of its kind as the Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. And so what led me to this position, um, actually about a little over 20 years ago, um, I started the journey as a special education teacher. Um, from there, went from a special education teacher to um, an administrator um, of a special education preschool, like early intervention program. Um, actually, take that back. I missed a step. So before I went to the early intervention special ed school, I actually was an interim principal at a middle school. So I'm just a quick crazy story. So the craziest part of the story is, um, and you know, we all had these crazy like sections of our story, but um, I. Right. So I literally was finishing up my uh, administrative credential and my principal at the time called me and said, Cassandra, you'll never believe that I just had a heart attack and I don't want the staff to know, but I want you, I know you're finishing your credential, but when we come back to school, I want you to intern for me. And then you're going to come to my house and you're going to like basically learn how to be a principal, and then you're going to go back to the school, and then you're going to teach what I give you. And so I was like, 
Yo, I am 28. So this is crazy. And, um, and so from that point on, I started interning for her. Um, and unfortunately, the assistant principal also had um, a life challenge with her son. And so then she was out. So then the district sent us a retired human resource director who was an older African-American gentleman who was like, Cassandra, if you want to do this, then I'm going to train you while I'm here. I'm not going to let you then put you back in the classroom. I want you to stick around here. So as long as you can get your IEPs done, like I'll show you like how this is done, basically. And so he did. And Dr. White came for a visit and he hid that day. And, you know, all of a sudden he was busy. And so he was busy when I came and I thinking like, right? So then after that, um, Dr. White was asking me all sorts of questions and who's an African-American female superintendent. And she's asking me all kinds of questions. And I'm thinking like, this is not just a school walkthrough. Um, I felt like I was being grilled to the, the hundredth degree. And so I, I continued to interview for the rest of that school year. And then that fall, um, I got my own school. I had um, a couple of other experiences as a principal where they moved me around um, behind retired principals because one of the things that cabinet would say is that you know how to shift culture, uh, Cassandra. And I'm like, I need to write my dissertation. And they're like, you're gonna be fine. And um, so at the time I was trying to get my doctorate. I had three little kids. I went through a divorce. Like it was just, life was lifing. Um, wow. and then that, um, I, it was, you yeah, know, I, yeah, because you're, you're going through it all at the same time, yeah. and just trying to be a professional at the same time, and you know, what I mean, a lot of times we don't, we don't see that side of an individual trying to make it through the you know, trying to get somewhere in terms of trying to make it, you know, get, get somewhere, right? And so, there's a lot of things in the background that are. That are that are hurting. So we hear we I hear you on that. I hear you on right because you know life is just happening, and so you know I'm grateful yeah. for family being the family that they are because they're just super supportive. Um, and so from there, you know, I, I did a couple principalships, went to the district office as a district coordinator. Um, I went to the county office as a, a director of special ed, and um, it's like one of those things I got myself into. And then I woke up one day and was like, I I really just was appointed to be the, the director of the whole county of Riverside. Like, like this yeah, really just wow. happened. Um, and so, so, you know what I mean? Like it just- Dr. Yeah, no, nah, but it sounds like to me, Dr. McNair, it seems like things happen for you really fast. They happened for you like simultaneously, like boom, this happened. You know what I mean? And so in terms of just like building your capacity, right? Because it seemed like everything was happening so fast. You're in a you're in the moment of you know going to school you know you're being a mom, and then at the same moment you're having all these you know opportunities happen like right after right. So I mean that's interesting. That's interesting because a lot of times that doesn't happen right. And so when you're looking at at at, at situations like that, you know it's almost as if you have to like you're learning as you're going constantly right, but it's faster than. Right. It's faster than most. But, you know, you're still getting that mentorship and you're still getting that support. And you're still getting that guidance. But at the same time, it's almost as if from what I'm hearing, 
Is I'm, it's, it was just going. It, I mean, because I'm, I'm listening to you say you went from a teacher, a special ed teacher, to almost like like a principal, to like a principal, then middle school principal, to a director. Like, so you have special ed, you know what I mean? So, and then over the county. So that in itself is huge. And so, yeah, speak on, speak on that. Like, I want you to kind of share. I know, because it sounds like you shift. Did you skip the AP spot, the assistant principal spot? Did you skip that? I did. Wow. I, I did skip the AP spot, but, but it was interesting how I skipped it though, mm-hmm. um, because I actually applied for like the job posting said assistant principal of the school. And my principal at the time, because of course that principal that I was subbing for, she retired at the end of the school year. Um, he said to me one day, he said, well, you know, that job that you just applied to be an assistant principal for, there's no principal there. I said, what, like, what do you mean? There's no principal there. Um, because I really didn't know what I was getting myself into. And so he said, yeah, it used to be a coordinator position at the district, but because the district is so large and the special population is growing, you know, they needed a a full-time administrator, but they didn't want to make it a principal. I just said, okay, well, I'll get there and I'll just see what's going on. And, um, I get there and I had about 13, 14 teachers. So it wasn't a large school. Um, but that year that I went, um, and this this really just happens wherever I go. Um, I started seeing the disproportionality of the um, the students that we were serving, and so I started going out and um, basically executing my own child find, and I tripled the enrollment of that school that year because I said I don't understand why there is no African American students at this school. Um, African Americans have them. African Americans need early intervention. And so I started like getting doors of like churches and doctor's offices and just started talking to people like you all are misdiagnosing these kids, which basically prompted my dissertation research. But to go back to what you were asking of how all these things were happening, that I really had to build my own capacity simultaneous to the the job elevation. So I always knew not so much because I'm an African-American, I need to work twice as hard because, you know, we hear that a lot, but I kind of look at it more so of um, if I'm going to lead, no one is going to ever have to tell me um, how to do my job because I'm going to constantly learn. I'm going to constantly dig. I'm going to constantly look for podcasts. I'm going to look for the, the newest book. I'm going to follow the people on social media to find out what are they reading? What conferences are they going to? And so I kind of had my own professional development um, simultaneous to, and so, and for that reason, I'm not a TV watcher to this day because you'll find me reading, like right now, I literally have three books on my desk that I am reading simultaneously because in this new role, I feel like I need to, to get a little bit further. What's the titles of those books? What's the titles of those books? What's the title so of those books? It's not light but fire. How to lead meaningful race conversations okay. in the classroom. Um, what was the, the last sentence you said? That, I'm sorry, uh, you said not light what but was fire. Okay. Oh, and then the, the last meaningful. How to lead not, meaningful. Not light. Oh wow. 
That's and work. So basically, yeah, the premise of this book is the Frederick Douglass quote of, it doesn't just take light, but it takes fire mm-hmm. to really make it work. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, rating for Equity. I've seen that one before. Got it. And a book I've read before, but I'm revisiting, um, is Culturally Responsive Teaching, uh, the mm-hmm. Geneva Gay Text. Yes. Mm-hmm. I've read it before. Like, mm, I need to brush on a few of these concepts. But again, it goes, it speaks to no one is asking me to read these. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you got to do that at home. I mean, especially in the job, in the, in the capacity where you're at now, you know what I mean? In terms right. of how, you know, you're trying to move the needle, right? And those conversations mm-hmm. need to be had. So I, I get, I get that. I get that. So Can I ask you a question? Right. Sure. Okay, so you were the director of SPED over the entire county, and you're currently director of equity. How did that transition happen? Because that's real interesting, because oftentimes we find that um, people kind of, you know, in in education, it's like, that's 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 definitely a different, right? I mean, even though there's some issues there, and I'm sure you saw them, how did that happen? So... It, it kind of takes me back to when I was, um, the story I, I mentioned a little while ago about the early intervention school, where I realized there were not any African-American students um, in my school. And so I ended up doing research on the parental role engagement of African-American um, students uh, with autism. And so um, with that research and really pulling in those African-American parents, um, I really understood and started, you know, understanding at a greater level how disenfranchised they were. Um, And so from that point, I've always had a love for um, educational justice and equity. That's actually what my doctorate degree is in, is in educational justice. And so with that social justice base, of my special education work, there was always an equity focus where those conversations of disproportionality or those conversations surrounding, you know, why are, you know that book that's entitled, Why Are All the Black Kids Sitting in the Back of the Cafeteria? Um, those were the conversations, for sure. Those are one of the, those are one of the things, one of the many things that I would think about when, um, I was doing my work. I also used to teach at the university um, for about eight years, and I always taught the equity course. And so it's always been like the background of my work. And so when this opportunity came about, I was the coordinator of special ed in Paris Union a few years ago. And knowing the landscape of Paris Union, this is a very unique opportunity because they have students that are um, living way below the poverty level in one part of the district. And then they have other students that are living, um, you know, they're the Orange County of the IE, you know, because they borderline yeah. Temecula. And just think, Got those it. are all the students that are in one district. Wow. Wow. So, you know, Dr. McNair, and, and, and I'm going and I'm gonna ask you this because our listeners probably listening, they're probably saying, you know, because this next question I'm going to ask you, then they're probably going to say, well, she, I mean, listening to her, you know, her opening, there's probably, there was no real barriers I see with, with listening to how your journey kind of went, right? <laughs> I'm just listening. I mean, if you're listening, but I wanted to, I, it would sound like, right? but we always have barriers, right? And I, I specifically say 
people of color, right? And I always say that, and I and I and I, and I say that, um, un, um, I say that, um, I, I'm I, I want to say that, I, I, when you it's not, I unintent, unintentionally, not unintentionally, not unintentionally. I, I'm saying this because it happens to us, all right? Because we do have. It. So I, I I wanted to say something different, but it happens to us. But I want you to share some barriers or challenges you may have occur, you know, may have may have had or encountered in regards to obtaining any roles that you've tried to uh, make you know attain in your career. So kind of share with us because it's not all easy as it sounds. But I just want you to share with our audience because a lot of times, you know, we get in our roles and don't realize that. With, with for us, we got to do it right the first time, and if we don't do it right, it's not a lot of times we get a second opportunity to do things. But I want you to share with our audience some of the barriers you may have uh, encountered in becoming in these role and coming in these roles that you're in right now. So the first barrier I would have to say is um, age. So ageism. So, um, but even I can even go further than that is to say that I would tell my students that. I'm like the poster child of intersectionality, right? So I'm an African-American, I'm a woman, and I'm young. And so because of those three things of being a woman, being African-American, and being so young, um, the, the barriers, especially as it relates to dealing with school staff, is, is ginormous. Um, you know, there's so many... Um, distrust. There's so much um, that, you know, that people say about you behind your back. Um, there are things that are reported that would never be reported to for someone else. Um, like, I'll never forget. I went to Starbucks one day and the superintendent called and said, are you at work today? And I said, yes. And he said, well, a board member saw you at Starbucks and said, I guess she's not working today. I said, I'm sorry, I didn't know I'd take a lunch. So, you know, so that's just one example of some of the barriers and um, unnecessary, I feel, conversations that I've had to have to really explain myself. Um, and so, you know, you get tired of explaining yourself. But at the same time, um, what I realized is that um, one thing I'm going to do is prove you wrong. So you may think you know where I've been or what's going on, but but I can, you know, I have receipts. And so that's something that's big in my career is just the receipts that I keep. And then I also um, realized that if I didn't pray, I would be really in trouble because, you know, that provides me with an additional filter to be able to have those conversations, even when I know that they are not warranted. Yeah, that so, makes sense. Yeah. You know, so, so that's part of it. And then also just with, um, in my different roles, um, I've had to really build relationships with allies. And so um, having allies is really important because they help you get in the door and stay in the door and speak up for you in rooms that you're not in yet. Mm-hmm. Wow. You say say that again. <laughs> say well, say that, that again. 
that, well, that, that was powerful what you just said. Yeah, they stick up. You for said you. rooms and rooms for rooms that, you're that not you even... aren't in yet. In yet, can, can, explain yeah. that, please. <laughs> so, I can tell you my current job, my two assistant superintendents, um, we were principals all at the same time, and they wow. are now superintendents. So I could just wow. only imagine. They're assistant superintendents, and we were all principals together. Yeah. Damn. That's a journey in itself. That's a journey yeah. in itself. Because, and yeah, so, because, you know. You, you... Yeah. And, yeah. And they're not non-African-American gentlemen. That we had the same a lot of sense. We had the same opportunities. <laughs> or so they say. Wow. Yeah. Now that makes sense because if you look, it makes sense. Yeah. Wow. So they're assistant superintendents. And so they, they, I know that the relationship that I've built with them, that they have spoken on my behalf and they've gone before me to be able to bring me into the position and me be able to do what I'm currently doing. Exactly. So, so a, lot of, a lot of times, go ahead, Dr. Butler. No, no. I think you were going to say the same thing I was going to say. I, I, I think what, and you, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, you're, you're summing up to say that we obviously know as you guys starting out together uh, at some point, right? You guys are neck and neck, all principles. They've moved at a faster rate. Um, and, but once they got there, you found there was value in having that relationship, the value of having the relationship of someone not of color, to 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 help you along and believe in you, and I think that that's real yeah. distinct than what I hear. Yeah, it is. Yeah, because you you'll hear people say, "Not everybody need a sponsor, mm -hmm. but we need a sponsor. Mm -hmm. We need we somebody gonna sponsor us because not everybody is going to take us as face value. They they're gonna need it's almost needing a credit check on us." Mm -hmm. Right, That's and not a lot of people need a credit check. What'd you say? Right, not a lot of people need a credit check. Right, I said not a lot of people need a credit check. Absolutely. They just gonna go based off of see, right? And regardless of the work they know that we put in, right? The regardless of the work they know and the output we put out and what we put in, that's still not enough, because even even we're gonna need someone who's gonna have to sponsor us. Mm -hmm. And they're gonna have to have a credit check, mm -hmm. and unfortunately, that's what we have to go through. And those are some of the barriers and the challenges that we have to go through in order to even move our way up for a lot of us, right? And and a lot of times when we do get up there, I mean, I, and I would say up there, that happens um, because there was something that happened prior to that. And I say prior to that, meaning there had to be there had to be a situation that occurred. That was that forced someone to have to put us in a situation, in a position. Sure. Does that make sense? And it, also, it does, but it also takes another level of humility too, because yeah. so many times, you know, we don't want to be humble enough to recognize that we actually need people, and so sometimes yeah. they're they look like us, and sometimes they don't look like us. But if we are, you know, too pious and too prideful to not 
you know, to, to, to take away that belief that we, and be humble enough that we actually need people, then yeah. we, we miss out on an awesome opportunity for growth. We miss out on an awesome opportunity for um, just that uncommon ally relationship that will really push us and push our career to the next level. And it's not being yeah. a sellout because you know that the whole concept of, well, mm-hmm. you're over there with, and so apparently you've sold out, but no, you just hold your head up with integrity. You, you know, befriend people and you, you know, determine your own boundaries. And then that is how you're able to progress. Now you're and right. It's, it's, you're it's right. a real, it's a real fine walk though, because, <clears throat> excuse me, it's like what you were saying. Okay. So you, you, you're, you're being humble, but you also have to, it's a, such a fine walk. You're being humble, but you have to obviously let everybody know that you do know something. There is something behind this female, you know, this, in this brain of mine. Right. Um, and also not be intimidating. You, you know what I'm saying? And so it's yeah. that it's constantly, it's, you know, um, try to make sure that when you walk into the room, that you're, you're reading the room, you're reading the people, you know who you can trust, you know who's pushing for you, um, you know who's gunning for you, lack of better words. And, you, you know, um, w- underneath this, you know, dark exterior, right? Um, and, and, and also being a female. So it's just, it's just really, right. really it's that, that, that fine walk. Yeah. It is. But I, I, I always tell people, though, that humility isn't silence. Mm-hmm. Um, and so since humility isn't silence, then you never want to portray yourself as being invisible. Absolutely. I'm not going to yeah. be the loudest person in the room. But at the same time, you will hear from me. Mm-hmm. And my work goes yeah. before most of the time. And so it's also that other piece that, um, like I said earlier, I have receipts. So you'll hear from me. You'll hear what I have to say. Um, But at the same time, um, I'm not also too prideful or too haughty to where I have to have the last word all the time. Yeah. And you see, I said all the time. You're right. All the time, right? No, you're right. You're right. So let me ask you this, Dr. McNair, because now you're in equity, right? You're, 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 You're doing that work. And we've both had an opportunity to, and I never worked in the district where you're in, but I mean, being in Moreno Valley, um, I have an opportunity to see, you know, a multitude of people of color in, in leadership mm-hmm. roles, right? And so, um, like, what are your thoughts or ideas um, do you have for school districts on how to increase and assist in the hiring or attracting more African-American um, individuals or underrepresented groups into education or leadership positions. What do you think about that? What do you think about that? What do you do about that? Especially you being in equity now. And I know HR is probably going to lean on you. And I don't know about your district, but sometimes when you're in that position, HR leans on a person that, like you to help support that and, and bring that in. So what do you what do you think about that? Yeah, so it's really interesting because in my current role, um, I actually don't answer to any of the assistant superintendents. I am directly uh-huh. under the superintendent. And so because it's such a yeah, it's a unique role because I do have my hands in HR, ed services, business, technology. I'm in all of it. 
Um, and so with HR, one of the things that was started right before um, I arrived to Paris, which I think they're on the cutting edge of, is they started employee resource groups. And so with the ERGs, um, it really provides a place where um, African-American leaders can and staff members can band together to create their own pipeline, their own professional development, their own camaraderie that basically says, because I am, you will be, um, you know, like just really providing those mentorship opportunities. You know, we, we know that the hottest commodity right now is time. And because the hottest commodity is time, then of course, I mean, I would love to, to mentor, you know, up and coming principals, but you know, without the, the time with children, family, church, you know, work, it, it gets kind of cumbersome. And so what the employee resource groups does is it establishes a place within my work where I can really connect and understand what the needs are in a district. So I would tell districts to start those employee resource groups. Don't be afraid of them. Um, start building capacity from within first. The second thing I would say is to um, allow those um groups that are underrepresented to see themselves represented in different levels. Yeah. And it's yeah. difficult. Yeah. Because as you know, right now, my cabinet is currently, um, I think, I think they may all be white. Yeah. No, they are. They are. <laughs> they, I mean, they are. Well, I had one I was questioning. I'm not really sure. Um, <laughs> no, I'm yet. Huh? Oh, no. <laughs> um, and so I think that is, I think that that's just important to, to, to see representation because we all know representation, it matters. Right, it um, so I think that's maybe the second thing is, you know, employee resource groups, representation, and then also, um, really just having someone keep an eye on unfair um, scrutiny of employees of color. Wow. So what does it, that look like? Right. I'm like, let me, let me give you an example. So if you are the leader of the Black Student Union or an APAC, African-American Parent Advisory Council, but you're on the non-reelect list, or teachers are able to just nitpick at you all day and there's no one that's going to support you, you're going to leave. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to yeah. stay. And so yeah. that's where allies come in because those allies are going to need to speak up and not let it happen. So, so I would say... Is so is that a part of, like, say, your role that you're in in terms of, is that, because that person is the one who should be advocating for those that are put, doing the work for that subgroup or those those subgroups, right? And is that, so is that your role, kind of? Yes and no. So be okay. because I work there before, people know me, they have my cell phone number, they call and tell me things Got I it. probably should know. Um, but it's Got fine it. because of course Got it. I, I had allies. I still do. And so of course I'm going to be an ally for them. 
Um, but really, I feel like my role is just to like ultimately is to establish a more um, culturally proficient place where wherever people fall on the continuum, people can understand how to deal with each other. Because I think that that's where it gets it. lost is that people, you know, we hear it all the time. You're not woke enough or, you know, you're missing yeah. this, you know, so it, it's just kind of like, you know, that in-between person, but for sure, I'll advocate for somebody in a minute, but at the same time, it's not like I have a poster outside my office that says, need, need yeah. an advocate? Call me. Yeah. <laughs> so, let me, What's a, so let me ask you that. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go okay, ahead, well, before, Go ahead. before you move on, I just had an employee resource group. I've never heard of it. And, and, and I mean, you kind of told us a little bit about it, but what does that look like? I mean, is it okay? Because that was the one of the things that you talked about in terms of working with HR and helping people of color. I mean, I mean, what does it look like? Is it like, okay, well, all, all the African-American people, these are your resources. I mean, like, I want to be silly, but I want to really know what does that, what is that specifically? Yeah. So basically it's a concept that many of the fortune 500 companies have already established. So you can like Google LinkedIn and see their employee resource groups. Google has them, Apple has them. And basically it is really for the retention of employees and also to boost morale. So for example, um, we're starting off with three smaller employee resource groups, um, African-American group, a Latino group, and a, or a Latinx group, and a LGBT um, Q plus 2S plus. They just added the new uh, 2S. And so just um, you know, really just diving into um, those three for now. But there are other places that have like an employee resource group for men who work in an office with primarily women. Um, you know, how to ensure that they are saying appropriate things. Um, because I mean, I'm not a man, but how uncomfortable could it be a man not to know what to say and what not to say to a woman when they're not married or have other female relationships. And so it's basically just to boost um, the efficacy of an individual in environments where they have the opportunity to work with diverse people. And so there will be joint um, sessions where, you know, we'll be learning from the Latinx community and we'll be learning from the, the LGBTQ community. And it's just really to build the morale and, and provide education that's specific to those groups. Yeah. And, and you know what else, uh, Dr. McNair, and that can also be a flip side too, specifically for males too, that work, like you said, work in a um, predominantly women's setting. And, yeah. but on the flip side, they're getting remarks geared to at them. And so like, how do, how do we handle those, those situations? Right. Because a lot of times we're not going to go in and, and, and screen sexual harassment, you know what I right. mean? Right. You know what I mean? So like, and, and these are some conversations that myself and Dr. Butler have sometimes in terms of like, you know, even, you know, in the workplace, like how do I deal with a situation where, you know, I come in and, you know, you know, something is said to me and, you know, I, how do, I mean, and I'm just trying, you know, and I, and I can brush it off. Right. And so I just don't interact or engage in, 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 in foolery. I would say foolery. Of that nature, uh, 
I'll say fuller of that nature because, I, like, again, like you said, because that's some things that we, especially specifically, you know, and a lot of times black men, because a lot of times they, they, they see us as hypersexual, you know what I mean? And a lot of times, you know, that stereotype, that stereotype draws in, right, in terms of, of a lot of things that, you know, people perceive of us. And so I think that would be a great um, opportunity, too, to bring in. You know, it's just like that type of mentorship too, specifically for males and men, because I, I don't think it's, I haven't, I haven't seen a strong male group in terms of mentorship um, yet in, in, for administrators specifically, uh, but that's something that I really like to um, explore and see because there's a lot of things that we don't know. And there's a lot of things that kind of detour us for, detour us from coming into this field and scare us from, you know, becoming becoming leaders because we just don't know how to navigate the system. So Exactly. Just think about it. I know I, I know some colleagues who they will not meet with a female employee without someone being present or with their door closed. And it could be a confidential conversation, but they won't do it because of this very point. And so how powerful would it be if they had a place to go to find strategy and to know how to have those conversations that are productive. And I'm going to take it a step further for you because I will meet by myself. If it was, I'm, if, if, if me and that person are the same race, I'm just, True I'm just, story. I'm just, put, I'm, I'm putting it there. And, and I, I'm just saying that because that's powerful. No, but it's because true. I, I feel I'm that trust for me. It depends on who that person is for me is because in, in, Wow. Yeah, that was, yeah, no. I threw that out, <laughs> I threw I that out there because it's important. It's important because you don't want to put yourself out there. You know what I mean? It's And the thing of it is, is that you just don't, you don't know, you don't know who you can trust. Right. And a lot of times um, can be perceived is what they, you know, because people say perception is reality, but now sometimes it's really not, you know what I mean? It's not people, it's their own reality. And sometimes people perceive things that aren't necessarily true. And then, yep. you know, you know, you, you put in a situation to where, you know, so I mean, oh, I know. You, you're sitting there thinking, right? Now. Well, no, I'm, 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 a, because I'm just thinking a lot of things. I'm thinking a lot of things. I'm thinking a lot of um, what you talked about in terms of being humble, right? Um, I'm thinking even I'm going back a little bit and I'm putting it all together and how you got to your current position, you know, and the fact that you had someone that, um, you know, that move faster, but advocates for you now. And now, you know, you're able to do some real work because you've been, and, and I'm going to call it real work, not that your other um, job wasn't real work, but in terms of now in this equity position and that the people have now seemed to look, seem to believe in you and will call on you, um, which is great. You know what I'm saying? Um, it, it seems as though um, that would be a, a true position, like ultimate position for you. Um, not that you're not going to move any higher, but I also, I start thinking about, um, some of my past experiences. Right. And I think about how I, my, my journey has definitely not been your journey. You know what I'm saying? Where mine has been, I would say pretty much the opposite, opposite where, you know, been in a, been in a position for years, passed over, passed over, passed over. And, 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 you know, to, to sit and watch others just move, move, move when you've got, you know, the education, the experience on all levels, 
it, it's just it's amazing to me. And, you know, like when Dr. Dr. Rice asked you guys, you know, you didn't seem like you had any barriers, but because I've had a bunch of them, right? And sometimes it's from people of our own, sometimes not. But what I found is the system to be very non-forgiving, you know, or, or, or someone say something or do something, you know, or say something about you. And that's all it takes. It, uh, it takes one person to derail your career, you know? And so I feel like I'm in that place where I'm listening to all of you, you know, listening to your journey and I'm trying to reflect on, okay, you know, how do we, how do we get out of this thing where it's like, Okay, you've got the experience, you've got the 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 degrees, right? But it's it's just not working. It's not working. And it makes me feel like, okay, it is what it is. But there's really there's there's really more to it. There's really more to it. And and to try to, to continue to advance and being an African American of you know, woman, it's it's tough. It's it's a tough it's a tough cookie, you know, to, to chew, you know. And, and, and I would say that one of the things that, um, that really helped me to, um, I guess, progress is two things. I've never been afraid to start over. And I've also, I've also seen the writing on the wall before it would happen and it's like a, a bob and weave at the same time so, and so it's this kind of thing where yeah so um when i was at the magnet um elementary school um i started getting too many calls from the district office it was too many so before um, they could ask me to move. I requested to be moved. Mm. That when was you say too many time. calls, too many calls. What do you mean when you say too many calls? Too many calls about just ridiculousness. Just call. In- just probably just, like you know, like, like there was traffic. Why didn't you, you know, oh, fix right. the traffic? Oh, <laughs> yeah, there's people parked in the red. Oh, just really petty, right? You know, the mm-hmm. the call started. It was further than a Starbucks call. It was just the right. petty nature. I got it. Um, I was having nightmares of like parents hanging up to protest report cards. And it was really starting to affect like the way that I sleep and just everything. And I was like, I, I gotta get out of here because something's not right. And so when you get that feeling that something's not right, that's when it's time to leave. And one of my colleagues literally just asked me yesterday, she said, are you tired of um, moving around? <laughs> I said, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will move again. Yeah. You know, I yeah. and and again and again and again and again. I held it for eighteen months, and for your some, last position, I, I mean, and and this my last one. Thank you. Wow. My last position, I held it for eighteen months. And I was nervous because I've never left a position in 20 years in the middle of a school year. So much so that I literally was like, okay, if I'm going to leave in the middle of a year, then I need to work at least half my calendar because I need to make sure I get my year's credit for STIRS. You know how that goes. I need to make sure I get my full year's credit. And 
all of that in my work, non-work days, all that stuff together. But at the same time, I knew that where I was wasn't the healthiest for me. And so it wasn't anything that anybody had done. It wasn't anything that, you know, I was like, never would I work here again. I, I could, I could go back to the county and work there and, and do well there, but it wasn't the right time for my family. It wasn't the right time for me just emotionally, physically. Um, you know, when you start working 70 hours a week, you, you've got to stop at some point. And so, you know, for your own, you know, health. Um, and so it's, you know, again, bobbing and weaving, you know, and knowing when, you know, not, be, not, not being afraid to start over. So I would have to say that that's been key um, in a, a few of the jobs that I've had. Well, Dr. McNair, this one, we, yes, we're we going to close on this one because I, I want you to put it all together for us because I, you've said a, a few things in terms of just, I heard you say allies. I heard you say some things about the relationships that are very important. So I, I just want you to give our audience some advice in terms of uh, those people of color who desire to advance in educational leadership. What What is your advice to them in terms of when they're when they're trying to get in these positions? What are some things you can kind of share with them before so that they know can have some expertise from someone who has, you know, has traveled around a le their leadership journey and, and and unapologetic about it and, and kind of share with the, our audience some of your advice for them? Um, first, I would say build out uh, authentic allies. So build some authentic allies, um, you know, uh, I always say also, you know, know what your non-negotiables are. So basically starting with your non-negotiables and knowing what you will and will not go for, um, that saves a lot of heartache because then when you build those, your own non-negotiables and you have those authentic allies, when it is time to move, then you're able to move because you know what you stand for and you know what you won't stand for. Um, you know what communication style you you have, what your leadership style is, and if it doesn't jive with the current um, administration, then be okay with with moving on. Um, because I think that you know we were taught to um, get a job, be committed to that job, stay on that job, provide for our families, but um, you have to do what's right for you. So I would say do what's right for you and your family first. Um, because at the end of the day, if something happens to you on that job, they're going to fly your job the next day and your family is going to be And so for, for who knows how long. So never put your job in front of your family. Um, also make sure that um, you also have those with those authentic allies, uh, making sure that you have someone that's sound in that authentic ally group, it could be someone that looks like you and it could be someone who doesn't look like you. An authentic ally doesn't necessarily have to be someone of a different race, um, but it is someone who is more of a mentor that can tell you, you know, you're on the right track or you're not. So you need someone that's going to tell you the truth in that authentic ally group um, and, and be okay with the truth because many of us aren't okay and aren't comfortable with the, the truth about our leadership because that's when pride in. And so that humility is needed to be able to listen. And so I would just round it out with that. It's just, you know, 
authentic allies, non-negotiable, family first, and have someone that's truthful in your corner. So I know right now, Dr. McNair, that's awesome. So Dr. McNair, we're going to, so what usually what we do at the end of the show, we give you an opportunity to give a shout out to um, anyone. And I know you have a lot of people you want to shout out to. Um, there's a lot of people that really tune into the show and it'd be very important. Uh, sometimes if you want to shout out to somebody who you never had an opportunity to say thank you to, or somebody you just really um, always wanted to say thank you to, but never had that opportunity. So I'm going to give you that opportunity to give a shout out to those that um, have you, that molded you into this person that you are today, this great individual, this great leader that you are today. And so give a shout out to the folks so that our audience can hear. Then we're going to close it out and go ahead. I'll let you, you go ahead and do that. Then I'll close it out for us. Okay, so that's kind of hard because, you know, I love people and people have loved me um, and really supported me through my career. So I would definitely first shout out my parents um, because they're the real MVPs um, because they supported me while I got my doctorate, watching kids, doing laundry, all the above. Um, They're they're just two solid people. Um, Of course, my family, my husband and my kids, um, they're also MVPs because when I was working 70, 80 hours a week, um, they ensured that I was still sane. As I would say, Greg would patch me up at night and send me back in the next day. Because uh, some days at the end of the day, you need patching up so that you can go back, you know, whole and um, be able to play the part. And I've also had some amazing bosses. Um, Dr. Judy White, uh, she is like the ultimate. Um, like, just, she's, I, there's not enough words. To, to talk about Dr. White, I don't have enough time. Um, you know, Dr. Dr. Kitsiora, he's amazing. He's been amazing to my children. Um, he helped my kid get into law school. So, you know, he's also yeah. an MVP in my book. Um, and then Dr. Charles He's Newman. a beast. Yes. Yeah, he recommended you. He's like, oh my gosh, she's so smart. I said, she <laughs> is, I know her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And so Dr. So, Charles Newman was my... Yeah my last uh, supervisor before this current one. And, you know, y'all had him on the show. Y'all know what he can do. He's yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah, he is. He is. He- All right, Dr. McNair, again, we're going to close it out. I just want to thank our audience again for tuning in to The Color of Leadership. I want to thank uh, Dr. Cassandra McNair for coming on here and being our contestant today. And I also want to thank uh, Dr. Angelique Butler for co-hosting this for us. And I just want to thank our audience again. And we are out, out, out. And I'll see you again in a couple of weeks. And we'll have another participant that are going to share their information and share their knowledge with you. And again, thank you for tuning in to The Color of Leadership. Out.